Hey there, are you a passionate DJ? Do you love the show, but wish that we could hang out just a little bit more? Well, now you're in luck. Passionate DJ now offers a bonus show called After Party. This is where you can find exclusive content specifically curated for our paid subscribers. Here you'll find extended interviews, behind-the-scenes conversations, content that was edited out of the published versions, and more. For about the price of a three-track EP on Beatport every month, you get another full episode from David, Tony, myself, and Mo. Your paid subscription directly supports our efforts, and for that, we humbly thank you. For more information, make sure to visit us at patreon.com forward slash passionate DJ. Also, if you're looking to connect online with an active community of other passionate DJs, make sure to check out our Facebook group at facebook.com slash passionate DJ. Podcast, where we are becoming better DJs through passion and purpose. And now your host, David Michael. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Passionate DJ Podcast. I'm your host, David Michael, and we're here today with the one and only Crystal Grid. Cody, Jared, what's Yo. up, fellas? Hey, what's up? Welcome what's back up? to the show. Hey, um, we're, uh, we're happy to be here. Yeah, 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 thanks for having us. We've been looking forward to having this conversation for a long time, and we teased it a little bit last week and ready to do this thing. So thanks for coming back, guys. Yeah, 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 most definitely. Um, either of you guys want to start, just kind of introduce yourselves personally, and then we'll get into uh, Crystal Grid. Yeah, do yeah. It, do it, Cody. All right, all right. Um, so, so I'm Cody Christensen. Um, I'm the saxophonist of Crystal Grid. Uh, just want to start off by saying that that I started listening to the podcast back in back in 2016 <laughs> in Colorado. Um, in Colorado, yeah. in Durango, Colorado. So it's a it's a pretty surreal moment to to go from from fan to guest and mm. to to be here with you all right now. Um, I hope the uh, Trip Turlington Studios here is uh, <laughs> up to you. Uh, you're pleasing. Uh, yeah. hey, it was. It was. You guys are more handsome than I than I ever could have imagined. Um, but yeah, yeah. Truly, truly an honor to be here. Truly, truly excited to be able to talk with you guys. And um, from from Durango, which is like fifteen hundred miles away, I'm I'm glad to be sitting here with you all. Likewise, for sure. Likewise. For sure. So, Jared, are you local, or did you hear us from afar as well? No, I'm uh, I'm local. So I grew up in Springfield, Ohio. Okay. Um, and I've been living living in Dayton for the last three years or so. Okay. Um, but I've I've been around the area. I went to college in Dayton, so I've I've been in the area for forever, basically. Great, great. Um, but anyway, I'm Jared Wise. I'm the DJ and drummer. Swam, swam, swam. The percussionist. Yeah. So, so we've probably already, just by saying that much, have got the attention of some of our listeners because we haven't introduced who exactly Crystal Grid is, but we've already mentioned saxophonist, drummer, and DJ. So we've already got some diversity here in within the, the band. So I guess let's start with how did you guys meet each other and, and start working together? Because I think that's a pretty interesting story. Yeah. And um, 
what exactly is Crystal Grid? Like, how do you describe yourselves? I, I call you an electronic band when I'm describing it to other people. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know if that's how you describe yourselves, so I would love to know. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, so we, we obviously infuse live instrumentals, live instruments with electronic music. Um, if you want to, if you want to lump us in a category, then, then future bass in, in trap is kind of our, our expertise. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we try to range from, um, house future bass trap, throw a little dubstep in there, obviously throw a little funk with the saxophone and kind of go all over the place. Um, but in regards to, to how we met and how we started, it's, uh, I, it, it's kind of a spectacular story and, and how it actually ended up happening. So um, like I previously said, I, uh, so I've been in Durango, Colorado for the past five years. I was um, completing my undergraduate degree out there, um, listening to you guys. And I had the opportunity to become a graduate assistant at the University of Dayton. Um, both my girlfriend and I received full tuition waivers to go to grad school. Um, there you at, go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a way to do it. It is. It is. Um, to the University of Dayton. And, and like I said, I'd been listening to the podcast and I, I couldn't locate Dayton, Ohio on a map if I wanted to. I was just getting ready to ask. Like, I, I don't want to interrupt too many yeah. times, but when somebody from outside of this area, when you hear University of Dayton, like... Is the only thing that comes to mind the flyers and March Madness? Like it is, it is, it is. For me, I thought about rims. rims? Yeah, Dayton rims. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, so or speakers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and so I, I originally grew up in Iowa, so not too far away. Definitely a a Midwest kid. Um, But I, I never really been east of Ohio. I mean, it's a nine-hour drive for for me to get home to to where my family lives. Um, But, but really, I, I really hadn't heard a lot about Dayton, Ohio until this opportunity to, to go to grad school for, for practically free um, presented itself. And uh, my girlfriend and I came out here. It would have been February of 2017. We interviewed with the University of Dayton um, and we stayed at an Airbnb. And the hosts of the Airbnb were Andrew and Lauren White yep. from Indigo Life Media. And, and they started, started selling Dayton. I think they probably were the best Dayton salespeople that we could have ever, ever met Absolutely. in that moment. Yeah. Um, fast forward a little bit. So, so my girlfriend and I are both accepted. We accept graduate assistant positions. We moved to Dayton, Ohio in June, June of 2017. Um, about a week after we, we moved here, um, went to a bonfire at the White's house and, there's probably probably 12, 15 people in the backyard all hanging around a bonfire and sit down next to you, Mr. Jared Wise. <laughs> and and so we we originally started talking about maps and geography because we're both kind of geography nerds. And hiking okay. and, and outdoors. And yeah. Hiking. And uh, and so that conversation started. And then then Andrew White walked up and he he saw us engaged in conversation and asked, hey, are you guys talking about music? And we both kind of looked at each other just eyes wide and we're like no 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 <laughs> we're talking, we about talking about the furthest about thing from music yeah. no no we have not um but we're about to and and so literally seven days after after moving to Dayton, ohio i i meet jared and we we start talking about our interests um and we were both performing as solo artists i was performing as as trekker jared was performing as red tail um, I, I was playing saxophone over a pre-recorded tropical house set, just super mellow vibes. Um, Jared, if you want to talk about Redtail a little bit, yeah, I was uh, basically doing big room house and trap. That was just what I was listening to at the time. 
as a and DJ? I, as a DJ. Okay. And um, I literally just learned how to DJ. Um, so I think, what were we, at the end of April? Yeah, so I think somewhere around the middle of April, I learned how to beat match last year. Okay. So that's... that's uh, <laughs> Very good. Very yeah, good. Because there's a lot of quote air quote DJs that can't beat match. Right. Yeah. Right. So uh, so started my journey there, and then I I wanted to um, I wanted to learn production. So I started talking to Andrew White about it, and this was way before you came to to Dayton, or I guess not way before, but a, a you know maybe a month or two. And um, so Andrew and I had that conversation about production and DJing and all that stuff. So he kind of knew what my interest was and that kind of fizzled out for a second. But, um, I was like dabbling in studio one at the time and okay. just kind of learning that software. And I've heard really good things about that. Yeah, software, it was pretty way. sweet. And I'm trying to, I tried to get that guy to convert, but he, <laughs> yeah. he's, nah, I was no. Ableton all the way. Yeah. I was yeah. like, no, Once you no, go Ableton, you Ableton. don't ever go yeah. back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was the case. That was yeah. the case. So, Cody and I met, uh, like we were both the solo artists and I was promoting a, my first show. Um, it was at the stage door Okay. and, um, they had open, open, open decks, decks night. Yeah. 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 So, um, I, I kind of had this idea that I was going to, I was going to take it over and like invite all my friends. Um, so I, I signed up for, for like the, like the good spot or whatever at like mm-hmm. 11 o'clock or, and, and we had met. So. Um, Cody and I had met, so I asked him to tag along and we played this show and all of my friends showed up, my mom showed up and, and we packed out, uh, the stage door. So Shout that was to the moms. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> right. so, so that was my, the very first time I played was at the stage door, uh, played live and, um, in front of a, a packed house. So that was a lot of fun. Nice. But, um, so what? Shortly after that, we started. To, we were meeting at least like once a week, talking about music. And um, do you want to talk about yeah. what the what happened after that? Yeah. So we uh, we were invited to play um, a show called Conquer Gem City, which you were invited to play. I was I was invited <laughs> to play Conquer Gem City, um, but at that point, um, the relationship that I had built with Jared, um, we and we had briefly discussed why why don't we join forces? You know, I I was I was recording all of my sets in Ableton and then just press and play and just jamming the sax over yeah. the entire thing. Um, so we were thinking, well, how can we make this a little bit more dynamic? I mean, if you can talking to Jared, if you if you can mix the tracks, then I can just play over top. And so we got invited to play that show. All right. I guess I got invited to play that show. And I told him, well, the only way I'm playing is if yeah, this is a package deal. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah right, as if right. I, as if I'm playing with Jared and we, uh, it was at this old abandoned warehouse, um, east of downtown Dayton. It's off of Springfield street. Yeah. Yeah. I've only been here for like nine months, so I'm not <laughs> sure. Somewhere, somewhere east of downtown Dayton, um, but really cool vibes, like a abandoned warehouse. I mean, build, buildings and bricks kind of, kind of tore down, yeah. strewn everywhere. Sounds like '96. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. I was two right. years old. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, and and so we went, we cruised there together the day before. Um, to see, because he was... To scope it out. Yeah, it yeah, little, yeah, to scope it out. Sketchy. We're like, all right, are we going to die tomorrow night or, or what are we dealing with? Um, and so we drive down there and um, we just kind of had a, a heart-to-heart meeting of, hey, if we if we want to start combining forces, what does that look like? Um, what's our plans moving forward? And we, we probably talked for, for about an hour 
um, in regards to our strengths, our growth areas as a team, what we can what we can do together. And and that was August 11th, correct? Yeah, I think so. Yep. And um, I remember standing in the middle of the abandoned warehouses. We shook hands, and and boom, it was. Let's do this. It was, it was a team from then. We didn't have a name. We didn't have a name yet, but uh, that's uh, that's the moment that we decided we're we're doing this together, and and let's let's progress nice. forward so, as a team. So you decided to work together as a team initially, doing what? Performing. Performing. Uh, well, I mean, during that discussion, production, performing, marketing, everything. Um, that was that was the moment that we decided, hey, if we're doing this, let's let's jump both feet in, let's hold hands while we're doing it, and let's let's see what see what we can make happen. Cool, cool. So, how did it go from from performing to writing together? So, so we performed that show. We played at the stage door again, um, the twenty sixth, and at that time, I had created the foundation for On Fire featuring okay. Noah Roush. And so that all started to happen right around the same time. Um, and, and so we kind of, we kind of jumped in and, and a lot of that track was, was already written um, at the point that we, we joined together as a team. Um, so we, so we worked together on, on finishing that track. And then as any, as any team or as any relationship goes, we were, we were super transparent and super open with our communication of how, how are we going to operate this? Um, and then, and then kind of, kind of tying into our brand a little bit. Um, but Jared and I, we, we have very different personalities and our cognitive functioning are, we take two different approaches of thing. I, I'm definitely, I'm the amiable person and, and Jared's definitely the, the analytical person. Okay. Um, but how that works together is we, so, so I'm, I'm a feeler. I, I definitely I base my my actions and decisions off of emotions where where Jared is he's strategic he needs the data the numbers and and so that's when we started figuring out hey how how does this balance work how can this benefit both of us um, and if you can imagine if you have these two different personality types working together I I'm missing things that Jared's picking up and vice right. versa. Mm -hmm. And, and same thing goes with production. If my ears aren't picking up something, I look at Jared and he points something out. And, and so it's, um, it, it's, I, I'm going to say it's challenging, but I mean that in a fantastic way. Right. right. And, and before the show, we were talking about critical feedback and, and you need critical feedback, critical analysis to be yeah. able to grow and progress because you're not going to progress unless people are going to tell you the truth. You got to work on what you suck at. Exactly. Totally. Right, yeah. right. That's exactly it. And if you're if you're awesome at everything all the time to everybody, then that's there's no there's nothing there that drives you other yeah. than. Well, I guess I'm the best now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and that's not us. We uh, every single day, every single day we're talking to each other. What can we improve? And and that once again, those our our personalities combined together just get, allows us to have a more full perspective on on any any situation that we're we're experiencing. Yeah. So what is your? Well, I don't know if I want to get to the writing process yet, or if I want to. Maybe we can talk about how you got involved with Tony. Yeah. Yep. We, well, let's roll back a little bit. So where'd the name come from? Oh, yeah. So the name. So <laughs> with that, that whole personality difference thing that we just talked about, um, you can imagine throwing names back and forth through text message and like the just the, the difference in how we <laughs> perceive each each name. Like mm -hmm. 
like the names that you, Cody was throwing at me, I just thought were super silly. And then the, <laughs> the, the names that I was throwing at Cody, I was like, Oh, oh yeah, this, this is it, man. He's like, no, I'm not feeling it, dude. I'm just not feeling it. Um, do you guys remember any of those names? So, so I, I remember, remember shooting, I do. So I, I remember sending him a text of, um, track tail. It was a combination of oh, tracker and red tail. I remember okay. one. Um, so Cody sent me a text and he was like, what do you think about symmetrical opposites? <laughs> I was like, dude, that's a fucking mouthful. <laughs> but um, I mean, I still like it. If we want to change our name, we still yeah. can. Yeah, but <laughs> maybe that's our first album. Yeah, right, right. there you go. Yeah, but um, so we we kept throwing these ideas back and forth, and and we were like brainstorming, and we're both at work, like by no means are we like just sitting together. Yeah. Um, we're, we're busy like, adulting. Somewhere. We're, we're adulting yeah. somewhere, right. but also thinking about crystal grid at the same time. So, um, we're throwing these ideas back and forth and we, we found like a common theme and it was, um, like sacred geometry mm-hmm. and, and like energy patterns yeah. and kind of like this whole, like, like an intuition theme. Um, and, and that goes pretty deep, like as far as what we were talking about, but, um, so, so that was like the common theme. And, um, so fast forward a few weeks, uh, I woke up in the middle of the night from a dream. I don't remember what the dream was, but, um, I had two names that came to me in that dream and I, I wrote them both down and then I went back to sleep and and in the morning I, I shot Cody, the two names and he was like, these are sweet. So um, I took those names and then I started doing some Google searching, uh, just to see, you know, what was available. And, and one of them was already taken. Like that was, it, it was some kind of like really big brand. Um, like crystal waters or something. It had something to do with the universe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was, it was, it was like <laughs> u- universal <laughs> something. I, I can't, I can't Blowing remember exactly what it was, jokes. <laughs> but the other name was that. crystal grid. And, um, so we, we kind of threw that back and forth and um, we decided that we needed to make it cool and future base. So we mm. put a Z instead of an S <laughs> yeah. um, and that's how we solved that problem uh, yeah. as far as like Google searching because a crystal grid is an, is an actual object. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're not familiar, it's, it's basically like a sacred geometry, geometry pattern that is laid out onto like a, a flat surface and then you, you place crystals in that pattern and, and it's supposed to focus the energy into the center. And in the center you put like uh, your master crystal, like whatever intention you want to, you want to bring into your life like that. My mic, it just keeps, it just keeps going down and down and I'm going to be punching over. So, um, that master crystal, uh, like that, that's whatever intention you want to bring into your life. And so all of those other crystals kind of focus in on that energy. Okay. So that's what a crystal grid is. It's it's like a tool. I I thought that you were going to say when you started uh talking about the personality differences that like crystal represented the like emotional part of it and grid was the analytical part, you know what well, I mean? Well, like, and I mean it almost kind of works in that way. Hey, and that's not ruled out. I mean, I uh the first letter of my name's a C. His is a G. Oh, crystal grid. I didn't, so I didn't so pick up d- on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so it so it does match there. Um, but going into going into how we met Tony, which uh, once again kind of kind of one hundred percent by chance. 
Um, we are playing a open mic at, at Therapy Cafe on a Tuesday. I think it was it was an EDM, EDM Tuesday. Tuesday. Yep, 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 yep. EDM Tuesday. Shout out to John Chapel. Yeah, true that, true that. Um, I I think early September. I I believe it's the same week that I was leaving for um, Breakaway Charlotte. So I want to say it was it was mid September. Okay. Sometime, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I remember us going into it. We. Uh, we hadn't prepped as much as we would have liked to, and I, I think we we drove there together, and we were like, "Hey, this is a, it's a pretty low risk show. Let's just go have some fun." Yeah. Um, and then I, I think like ten minutes before our set started, uh, Andrew White was there, and he came up and he was like, "Hey, Tony Desaros." in the crowd and there's like 10 people there and we were like oh my god oh. uh oh what, what we just said about about stakes not being high everything's changed everything has did, changed I didn't realize you guys knew he was there we did oh we wow. did yeah yeah he actually he came out and introduced himself and I, I think that was Andrew setting that up but he came outside while we were warming up and, and shook our hands and introduced himself and um, I, I think we were simultaneously trying not to piss our pants at that moment. Yeah. Um, well, well, John Chapel walks up to us because we're we're standing in around a table and he he's like, "Hey, shitheads, what's up?" <laughs> no, he was like, "Tony Desaro's here. No pressure." <laughs> I can hear him saying that in my head. Absolutely. Right yeah, shout out, John. Thanks for making us feel comfortable. Right. Um, Too funny. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, and and so I I remember I I think we were it was a I, fifty minute set, sixty minute set. I came outside to talk to you guys because I had to leave midway through your set because I had to get up early and leave. So I wanted to introduce myself before you guys went on. That's why we talked outside for a minute, and then that's when we planned our meeting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and I remember. I mean, that was probably our fourth, third, or fourth. That show. was at least our fourth show. Probably, probably our fourth show together, um, and we rocked it. Uh, I mean, diamonds are created under pressure. I, yeah. I guess we, uh, <laughs> right? I guess crystals, crystals are created under pressure. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, we, we put on the set and, uh, Tony reached out to us, wanted to set up a meeting. And I think probably a week or two weeks after that, we, we met at press, we met at press, um, in the Oregon district and, and we had a meeting. I, I can't imagine your first impressions of us. I think I roll up in a collared shirt and a tie and. Jared's in his work attire as well. We roll up with our, our notebooks and pens ready ready to rock and roll. That's what drew me in. That was right. a, another part that drew me in, you know? Um, You're all about business, yeah. When I, when, I, when I saw you guys play at therapy, um, you know, and it's a perfect example of just a, a random person throwing out a Facebook post. Right. And the way it was Kim... Shout out um, Kim. Yeah, she, the way that she described it, she described something, it was something with live instruments. Live instruments, yeah, I remember reading and the that, post. Yeah, so that that kind of drew me in, and I, I went out to check it out, you know, I'm like, I'm leaving tomorrow, I don't have anything to do, I'm packed, so I went out and checked it out, and, you know, Andrew had came up to me and talked to me about it, and that's when he made the, uh, the connect out front or whatever, um, but it's a perfect example of a small local night, and two guys still rocking a local night, like, it wasn't a local night. Like right. there was a thousand people in that room. You right. know what I mean? And because you, know, you never know who's going to be out. There. Yeah. And a lot of people just dial it in at that point. They right. just, you know, they don't really I'm, try. I'm guilty of that for sure. Right. Um, and that, that is what initially drew me in, you know, um, because I could see the performance side of you guys as well as, you know, the music side. But then when we met at press and you guys walked in, 
and you had a fucking outline for me, I was just like, these guys are on point. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they mean business, and I like business. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It's, there's just as much of a business side as there is a music side to Absolutely. it. Absolutely. You know? And it, it was, yeah, that was the other half that drew me in. I mean, outside of the music, obviously. Yeah, yeah, know? of course, of course. But at that time, I hadn't even heard On Fire yet. I hadn't mm-hmm. even heard anything. Uh, so you guys in, end up becoming introduced to each other, but then it kind of turns into more of this working relationship. And so can we kind of maybe describe how it works now and and kind of what, you're, what you guys are doing together yeah. as far as uh, uh, Crystal Grid as a brand and all that? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so in regards to, in regards to, to what we're doing right now, so obviously we had, we had fest just this past weekend. That was absolutely phenomenal. Um, but it's a, it's 100% the, the team aspect. I mean, we, we text each other more than we text our girlfriends every single day. I can pretty much guarantee that. Hey boo. Uh, yeah. Love to the girlfriends. We love you. We love you. Um, but we text each other more. (laughs) <laughs> we talk about that a lot on the show. I mean, a significant other is, you know, if they're on the team, man, you hey, know, like hey, they're crucial. a huge part of it. Shout out, shout out Kaylee. She, she's my rock. Undoubtedly. She, uh, she has made this all possible, um, in regards to, to balancing grad school work, crystal grid, all of this, there's no way I could do it without her. Um, yeah, she, she has been, been a savior, um, in that aspect. And, and second of all, a Colorado girl moving to Ohio with me on, <laughs> on a whim to go to grad school, shout out there. Otherwise, once again, none of this would have happened. Yeah, so. that's, a, that's a big deal. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. So, so shout out to her. Um, she's, she's a huge part of this. Definitely. Um, but in regards to our workflow, I, I guess, um, so we try to meet three we try to meet three times a week and, and work on music. Um, of course, with Fest, a lot of our practice times were dedicated to practice, practice in the set. Um, Which you guys nailed, by the way. Hey, hey, appreciate yeah, that. Thank you. thank you. Thank you. Thank um, you. And so, so music production-wise, we, we both kind of we work on our own in our individual studios, and then we come together when we can and start fine-tuning and critiquing um, and, and analyzing each other's work to, to make it a cohesive product. Mm-hmm. Um, and then social media management, we're both on there all the time. Um, I, I do a lot of the, the scheduling of the posts and, and the, the online voices, you can probably tell, tell us me if, if you're looking at us, um, <laughs> shout out to the emojis and, and using <laughs> stokes every other post. Um, but in regards to management, commenting, um, we're, we're on that together. We're, we're both analyzing that every day and into, in today's industry. Um, I mean, that's a huge part of it of, of managing that, that online brand, that online presence, that online persona. So how did you get to a point where, you know, there, there was some point where you said, okay, we're hitting barriers and we need somebody on team crystal grid. And so you, you start working with Tony. What, what is that relationship like? How do you describe or tony how do you describe your role here and or what point did you decide that you needed like right oh man day person i i mean i would say a month into it we we wanted to establish the team there was never a point where we were like hey we're gonna we're gonna do this on our own we're gonna throw our own shows gonna create our own visuals that um not to toot our own horns (laughs) 
Ah, but, hey, um, hey, hey. <laughs> but we're uh, we're both pretty successful people, I would say. We're both in like two different journeys of our lives. I'm a little older than Cody is, but um, we're, we we know what it takes to be successful, and we know that we can't do it on our own. We both understand the team aspect. We we know that we both have to drop our egos, and and we understand. Like we, we have a goal in mind of where we want to take Crystal Grid and we and we know that we're not going to do that playing local shows in front of six people, you know, right. like and, and what does it take to, to get on these stages in front of these people? Well, you got to have a team. You got to have connections. You got to network. Um, and we knew that Tony had all of those. He has right. the, the network. He has the 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 experience. So we honestly we were we were like trying not to reach out to him and and like show him we were capable like like accept us tony <laughs> um, look at us we're cool we can but, do this check, but us out. It, check out my mixtape yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can you can you put us on the stage tony right right um but it, it turns out we we impressed him so and and then it just went from there i i like I wasn't even coming into this meeting, you guys. I wasn't even thinking management in my head. I wasn't even thinking agent, nothing. I just saw a talent and a business mind behind that talent and a plan and everything. You know, I asked them for a business plan. A week later, they come back with a a 12-page business plan, like outlined everything with goals. You know, their first release, they, you know, their first release was released perfectly on time that they said it was going to release. And I was blown away by it. I was like, holy shit, this is really good, you know? It's, um, it, it's not very often that you find creative artistic people who that have, also their, have shit their, their shit together. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly <laughs> yeah. what I was about to say. And uh, all that stuff that Tony just said is truthful because after he met you guys after that first show and he went to Charlotte and he came back and he said he had that quick meeting with you guys, he like, and then you guys fired away with that business plan. That, that was the first thing I remember him talking to me. He's like, man, these guys, these guys got their shit figured out. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it was like, I, I just saw all that. And all I was really wanting to do is help you guys get on a stage because I believed in the talent and your work ethic, you know? And as we met a little more then the whole manager thing kind of came together in us, you know, conversing about it. But I mean, that's really, like I said, I didn't go into it thinking management at all, but we, we did. <laughs> well, did you know? If, if there's, one, <laughs> well, if, if there's if there's one main primary thing that, that you're good at, it's making connections between people yeah. and the problem solving that goes along with that. And it sounds like that's what you guys needed. That was the next step of your guys' journey. So, I mean, it it seems like the the, the perfect sense. marriage there. Yeah. yeah. In regards to production and the team, shout out to Mr. Trip Turlington for the for yeah. the audio engineering uh. on, on Crystal Clear featuring Gem City Chill. No, yeah. just, a, just a little mid-side process. Impression <laughs> done. Yeah, just a little bit. It uh, it added a whole lot. Yeah, it sounded so sounds so phenomenal. hearing it on that system last weekend was way different than hearing it like in my house with my stuff because I hadn't listened to it. Since you did all your your magic to it, oh yeah, boom, night and day, dude. Really, absolutely. Nice. Oh yeah, nice. Well, I, I appreciate that, guys. I, I mean, I, 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 in in my opinion, like I don't have golden ears or anything. Like, it, it, like I said, it's it's making so many mistakes. Like, if you listen to some of the stuff that I've released, like 
just terrible mix downs and then I'm handing them to uh, mastering engineers and then they're passing it back like uh maybe you could <laughs> try again <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yeah all that kind of kind of stuff comes with practice but I'm really glad that you guys are, are happy with of it course, and, of course of yeah, course man I'm glad we, that you're, you're getting as much fo- positive feedback yeah, yeah yeah tons of positive feedback um I, and, I really look forward to working with you guys more yeah so, definitely yeah. well I'm from a an appreciative lens like we're, we're grateful that you want to work with us and I mean that goes out to, to all of you guys Absolutely. Um, and I mean, when we're talking about the team, you guys have supported us as soon as Tony was on board. Here you guys came, undoubtedly. We, li- we tend to listen to Tony. Yeah, right. <laughs> us too. <laughs> I, I guess uh, we all have that in common, huh? Yeah. yeah. Tony's like, hey, Mo, get a medium shirt and a ball cap. All right, Tony. <laughs> I think I need a pinky ring. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. You guys make me sound like a fucking problem. <laughs> hey, Tony. Hey, Tony. <laughs> Where are my baby powder? <laughs> Hook me up. Um, hey, hey, but but touching on the team a little bit, um, shout out to Brandon Urig. Um, 90, 98% of the pictures that you see on our social media posts, that's he's the man behind the camera. He's he the one making dope. that magic yes, happen. He does. He yeah. does. He yeah. does. Um, yeah, he. I mean, he's a phenomenal artist um, as himself, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's super into light painting, which you can see in some of our posts that, that we did in the Dayton Arcade when we had the opportunity mm-hmm. to, to get in there. Yeah, those are great photos. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's, once again, that's all Brandon. Um, working with the, the two most awkward models that you could possibly work with. <laughs> yeah, he's, no shit. he's making something out of it. Um, so, so where, shout- where do I stand? so uh shout out brandon man um and then once again we've already talked about andrew but but shout out andrew white for um for capturing um our show at mass snowed in and then capturing fast and and for all the positivity that he brings onto the team and i'm really interested to see the what he the footage he captured from uh, Fest. We're, we're pretty stoked, too. Yeah. We're pretty stoked, too. He just, right before we got on here, um, he shot us a text, said that he was starting to, to cut up film and starting to edit, so we're excited for the, the finished product. Yeah, we haven't seen there. anything yet, so. Yeah, I want, I want to come back to Fest here in just a minute, but I do want to take a slight detour into the kind of the mechanics of how your performance works, just, yeah. just since this is the Passionate DJ podcast, so it'd be interesting to talk about how the DJ aspect of that works and what its role is in your guys's performance and that kind of thing i just play the saxophone <laughs> uh, he just quote plays the saxophone. Just, yeah he, he rocks the fuck out of that. <laughs> right ladies right. and gentlemen yeah. uh, before we dive too much into that though i do want to remind our audience that today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by after party which is our <laughs> bonus show exclusively for patreon subscribers and that is where you can get access to all of the uh, bonus content that uh, was cut from the episodes or extra stuff that we recorded along the way and all that kind of fun stuff. Uh, Just hit us up at patreon.com forward slash passionate DJ and become a patron. We would love to have you. And it helps us do more awesome things as passionate DJ. And shout out to all y'alls that have jumped on the Patreon train. We really do appreciate that. Seriously, you have no idea how much that helps us. Uh, You mentioned Snowed In. And that was when I heard you guys play for the first time. And so I, I, that was what, Nicole, right, Tony? Mm-hmm. Nicole Madaber. So I was. Uh, you got to tell them how this all played out. <laughs> so I'm upstairs, right? And, and I'm, I'm there for Nicole. So I'm just kind of listening to the warm up DJ up on the second floor like I normally would. And I'm just kind of shuffling around. It, it was J Flip. J Flip. J Flip. That's what it was. So I'm just kind of shuffling around the dance floor and, and doing my thing. And then I, I think it was Mo first, yeah. right? 
Mo comes upstairs and I, were you working that night? Yeah. Yeah. I, I had taken Nico downstairs because I was like, Nico, you have to go listen to this. this yeah. Nico's my son. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's bigger than I am. Um, <laughs> but I'm still stronger than he is. <laughs> but he and I do security for 3DM. Yeah. So I'm, I was listening on the second floor and then I heard somebody, I can't remember who it was. There was just some hearsay in the room talking about that the first floor was kind of hopping. I'm like, oh, interesting. Yeah, cool. I'm glad. And then I just kind of keep grooving, whatever. And then Mo comes up and he's like, dude, like, have you been to the first floor yet? I'm like, no, no, I've just been kind of chilling up here. Like, you need to go to the first floor and check those guys out. And he starts describing what's going on. I was like, you need to hurry up and go down there before their set's over because this is some mind-blowing shit going on. Yeah. And then I think it was finally Tony that came around the corner. He was working. He comes around the corner. He's like, you need to come downstairs with me. <laughs> I'm like, all right, all right, fine. I, yeah, let's do yeah, it. Let's do it. Okay. Yeah, okay, back, yeah. Back to this. Do what Tony yeah. says. Okay, Destiny. Finally. Yes. <laughs> right. I'll pay attention. Yes. <laughs> so that's what I'm like. Fine. All right. I'm point taken. So I go downstairs and you guys were just rocking it. And I was like, wow, this is fun. This is cool. And it, it was this. It had the EDM trappy future bass. It had that, but it had this jazzy element, and it had this, you know, you guys had the microphone dynamics, and you were playing the drums, and I was like, wow, this is cool. What is, what's going on here? And so I ended up staying down there and watching almost the rest of that set. Mm. And so I was like, yeah, you guys were right. That was awesome. So, yeah. Um, so immediately I'm like, oh, I wonder exactly how these guys work and stuff. So I'd, I'd really like to uh, kind of explore what role the, the DJing part plays in it. And then what, like, do you, does DJing provide the underlying soundtrack and then you add elements or do you have a band performance that you're adding a DJ element on top of, you know, how do you think about that stuff? Sure. So the the DJ element is actually the baseline. Okay. We, we base everything off of um, the DJ mix. So I'm mixing almost no differently than any other DJ is mixing. Um, we just we probably play more of the song, like more phrases of the mm. song than than a typical DJ would, only because we're adding those live instruments sure. over top mm. of it. And I have to give myself time to run back and forth from the drums to the to the decks. <laughs> Um, and, and there are some songs that we have to wait until a certain, a certain build until the saxophone comes in. So, so we'll, we'll play, you know, 16, 32 bars of, of a certain song until that, that climax comes in, but it's pretty much mixed. Um, you know, just like any other, any other DJ would mix a song. What, what are the, the struggles that come along with the adding the live elements to the pre-recorded mix as far as. Uh, timing, monitoring. Um, how do you how do you stay locked in? Yeah. So um, so our set is all predetermined, which okay. is unlike a, a typical DJ would would kind of choose tracks to play next. Right. Um, unfortunately, we we can't really do that as of right now. I I think eventually we could get to that point where Cody and I are like so on Your par with sessions. each other yeah. that we could just say let's play this this next song that we have in our bank. Yeah. And um, you know, pull that in and based on what people are, are enjoying. Um, but right now our, our sets are all predetermined front to back. Um, and we live mixing. One yeah. It, it's in there. It, right, it, not pre-recorded, it, but predetermined. Right. Predetermined. It's, right. it's, yeah. it's mapped out. Yeah. We, we know what song is going to come on next. Um, Cody knows when I'm going to bring the song in, what cue points I'm going to use. Um, and we've, we've rehearsed it several times. So, 
Um, it's un, unlike typical DJing, but kind of more like on that festival ring, like where, mm. you know, you've got to, you've got to put time production to what's, what's getting ready to come right. on next. So it's, it's similar in that regard. Um, but the, the challenges are, um, basically I, I have to take people on a journey as well as set Cody up to play saxophone, mm-hmm. as well as allow myself to play drums over top of this music and, and knowing when we're going to do what is, um, is, is key. So I, I spend hours building a set, hours upon hours perfecting when I'm going to bring a certain song in, when I'm going to take a certain song out. Um, I mean, like there, there's transitions that I've worked on in, in our, in our set that we just played at fest that I've, I've, I still ha- am learning basically like learning the best way to, to mix the song together. Explain your drums. So, um, my, my drums are half electronic and half acoustic. So I, I play with a, a popcorn snare or a firecracker snare. Um, and then I have an Elisa sample pad pro. It has eight pads. Um, so I have like my toms, I have a couple, um, like hi hats, like chinky things, mm-hmm. um, like a, a tambourine sound, which I use a lot. And then I have right now, I like a, a small crash symbol and a uh, splash symbol. So it's okay. like a hybrid in between. So it, it makes it way more fun to play because I get to smack stuff really hard. You get <laughs> right. some of that uh, feedback from the symbols. And exactly. Stuff whack exactly. Yeah. yeah. See, and it, I, with, with, unless I heard you say that, that it's all mapped out, I would never have known that because you guys look so intuitive when you guys are in your sets. Like, I never would have guessed that that's all well, and you're, out. you're working the mic in between. Because yeah. it looks... Different, it, moving around on stage. It looks and, so freeform. It's not rigid. Like, it looks like jazz to me. Well, and along those same aspects, so, um, so moving to the saxophone a little bit, I, I would say that... 40 percent of the set i know what melody i'm gonna play for the other 60 percent, i just know the key signature and i just jam mm-hmm. and and so it's cool to add and i there's a stigma around jam bands which i hold that perception as well and maybe maybe that's a personal <laughs> perception um but but in regards to saxophone so i i just jam you know, um, and like I said, 40% of the melodies I have memorized, I know what I'm going to play the other 60%. Jared throws on that track and whatever I'm feeling, I play, mm-hmm. nice. which adds to the uniqueness of every show that we play. Cause it's going to be different. Mm-hmm. It's going to be different yeah. every time. And especially at fest. And I'm sure you saw it. Yeah. Um, that was the loudest sound system that we played <laughs> on, man. I, I was trying to do backflips with the saxophone. I was jumping all over. Yeah, I, I could tell you were having a lot of fun. But then it. you also had to reel it back in. I could tell, too, at other times. You're like, oh, shit, I got to get ready for the next one. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Well, and that comes with that that jam free flow element yeah. of I was vibing. I was vibing, and what mm-hmm. I was playing was just coming from the heart, and that's uh, – it, it's not it, – it, it is intuitive. I'm not thinking about what I'm doing. I'm just playing. Mm-hmm. I'm just playing the saxophone, and, so, and that's when I create my best music. Yeah. Uh, so my my question with that, uh, you know, being somebody who is, I would say, at an elementary understanding of music theory and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So like, can you explain a little bit about that? Because to me, like when I'm when I go to write music, for example, my process is to decide on a key mm-hmm. and then figure out my chord progression 
and I kind of map everything around that chord progression. So if you only know the key, yep. Like, do you pick that up by ear, or is that by the design of the set? Like, you already know what tracks that are going to be laid out, so then you know, okay, this one's coming up, and it's in F minor. Yeah, right? yeah. Well, and so I, I mean, I have one. Once we practice enough, I have every key memorized. So the alto saxophone is an E flat instrument, right? Um, so compared to guitar or piano, if the um, whatever your key is, um, looking at the circle of fifths, I just go three three up okay um three semitones up and that's the key that i'm playing in uh camelot wheel for you djs who might not be familiar okay. so yeah yeah similar yeah. concept yeah and so i mean it's when we're jamming so same concept it's just a different name and different know, uh notation numbering, yeah. You know. yeah 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 <laughs> um and so when jared jared sends me a track and he's like yo we should play this in my set i'm in my studio i play it and i just figure out the key by ear okay. takes me 10 seconds to to figure it out and then then I just start jamming, you know. Once once I figure out the key, then I know what my limitations are. I know what notes I can play. I know what notes I can't play. And then right. it's that, Sa- and then I, I just play within that box, and it sounds good. Sax is a great jam instrument. It is I, undoubtedly one of the best. I, I played sax up until uh, sometime in high school, and and then after high school, then it yeah. just kind of dropped off. Uh, we had talked after one of your shows, I think at uh, One Eyed Jacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had been Shout out Bass Colt. Yeah, I was, I was thinking about like picking another one up, yeah. but then I'm sitting there and I'm like, God, that's just one more thing <laughs> that I'm going to add to my like list of 10 million things that yeah. I need to do all the time. So yeah, I, we were just talking before the show, like I've got two guitars in there that I have every intention of learning how to play someday. Hey, well, hey, and, <laughs> but they look sweet. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. It looks great in there. And speaking of that, to, to any any young producers um, who play an instrument, learn the shit out of that. Yeah, thing. agreed. And and so, so looking back on my musical history a little bit, I started playing the saxophone when I was 11, fifth grade, pretty standard for concert band. Right, yeah. right. Um, and I, so I, I started playing elementary school through middle school. I played in um, honor bands like county honor bands, um, played in jazz band. I was in marching band and I, I went to a small high school where you can do everything. I was in FFA. I was wrestling team captain. You know, it, it was a school that you could, yeah. could do all of that in and, and saxophone was always there, but I never once took it home just to play. And I, I had a core group of friends that, that we played saxophone together and we had a ton of fun, but I never took it, took it home to jam. Mm. And I, uh, I took guitar lessons in middle school and and I would jam that at home, but never once I was like, yeah, I should, I should take this home and see what I can do with it. Um, but looking back, man, I wish I would have just pursued it. Left some money on the table. And and I think, and, and I, I think it was from the perception of the, oh, this is cool. This isn't cool. Worried about that, which I mean, teenage years beyond teenage years, 11 years old, you know, how do you differentiate between that? Um, but it wasn't until my, my 20th birthday, I was cruising back from a revolution atmosphere, iration pepper show in Phoenix. And I'm sorry, was, say that all again. <laughs> yeah, I got lost okay, in there somewhere. All right, all right. Revolution, <laughs> revolution, atmosphere, iration and pepper. Wow. Um, pot of gold music festival, Phoenix, this would have been 2014. But so the next day we were driving back eight hour drive through the desert, back to Durango three other people in the car were all passed out. I'm driving in the middle of the desert, Hotel California style <laughs> on, on my 20th birthday. And I, I, I call it my life epiphany because I really think it was. I was like, man, I've been playing the saxophone for nine years 
at this point. Why have I never tried to get good at the saxophone? <laughs> right, right. You know, and, and and that was the moment. I, I joined symphonic band in college. I wasn't a music major. I wasn't yeah. a music minor, but I started doing, taking piano classes, symphonic band, saxophone lessons, and I just started grinding. Wow. And then and then at, at 20, 21, 22, when you bust out a saxophone at a party, all of a sudden it becomes pretty cool. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Oh, and, ladies. And, uh, <laughs> and, and just like just like we were talking about. Um, There's no good way of saying that. Is yeah. it? Like, it always comes out creepy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hello, ladies. Yeah. Did you know I played the saxophone? <laughs> um, and, and I just started started playing it and started getting good at it. And, and so once again, out to the young producers or, or young people listening to the show that, that play an instrument, learn it, learn it and get good at it. Cause you have no idea where it's going to take you. And it's at, the future. It is. It's the future of EDM. It is. Right. It is. Um, get and, good son. Yeah. I mean, and that, that's a great point because like, you know, for, for years, uh, I'd say easily 10 years plus, you know, a lot of, the electronic music producer scene, you know, has been full of a bunch of people who don't play instruments and have, you know, and I'm going to say it in a way that sounds derogatory, but I don't mean it in a derogatory way, but we've learned to hack the system. Mm. You know, we're musicians without being musicians. Like, you know, some people are classically trained pianists. Some people are, you know, are, are great at saxophone and, and all of that kind of stuff. But, you know, there's a whole group of us that kind of figured out those yeah, yeah. elementary music theory hacks, figured out how to do some chord progressions and then build a track around an idea, you know, a pretty simple idea with that. And then just get really good at like the the, the production aspect of it or the sound design mm -hmm, aspect mm -hmm. of it. And, um, you know, but I always feel like I'm getting away with something more than I'm using my musicianship. You know what I mean? Like, right. I, feel, I feel like I'm hacking, like cheating yeah, all the yeah. time. Yeah. Um, but more and more often, we're we're constantly seeing people who are taking things to that next level, like you guys are. I did direct support for Cosby Sweater. I think they're called a uh, uh, Turbo Suit. Turbo Suit. Turbo thing. Suit. It's a different thing that they were doing. Um, I forget what that that uh, electronic. Uh, saxophone thing is called, but uh, the UE, UE electronic wind instrument. Yeah, and you know, so that's kind of where they their whole thing was. They had a full drum kit and stuff like, that. but like it, it's still like that infusion of li something live. Even if you don't have like a live instrument, you know, you've got people like a rap music who will take you know an Akai sampler beat the shit out of it. <laughs> you know, but Work it. you know. Uh, and that's where everything is starting to go. Like, if you really want to differentiate yourself, mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. the way to do that is by infusing something else. Yeah. And something else is coming back to acoustic or electric mm -hmm. acoustic, mm -hmm. whatever, you know, but some kind of an analog sound in with the digital music. Yeah, yeah. Well, in the way that, that I look at production... Not necessarily from a hacking standpoint, from but from a an opportunity standpoint. There's so much more you can do with an yeah. Ableton than you can oh, do with the saxophone. For sure, for sure. <laughs> you know, and, and so and, and and why don't you combine that? Why don't you combine all these live instruments? And I, I, I mean, I, I used to produce house with zero saxophone on top. I was in symphonic band producing Melbourne Bounce and not throwing saxophone on top. Um, 
and, and why not? I look back and I kick myself. Like, why why mm-hmm. wasn't I recording sax and throwing it on top? And, and because so, Crystal Grid. Beca- because <laughs> Crystal Grid. Yeah. True, right. true. Um, but but utilizing all of the resources and all of the elements that you have at your fingertips. And if you can play an instrument, that's great. If not, you got Ableton. You, yeah, you right, don't have to. Right. And um, they're not mutually exclusive. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, um, as a as a musician, I I respect both art forms if you want to differentiate i I consider them them art forms but i i used to perform in in symphonic band with music majors who wanted to be uh either music teachers or they wanted to perform in professional symphonic bands and um and obviously this is an overgeneralization but it was a pinky up culture you know, it was very True. much a pinky True. up culture. I told them I listened to electronic music. They they snickered. They, they, they're they, like, they clutched their pearls. They're like, they, oh. they're, they're, yeah, they're, that's the devil's music. Yeah, no, yeah. exactly, exactly. And then, but at the same time, as soon as there was a chance to improv, everybody freaked out. I was like, oh, I can't improv. And I just looked at them. I was like, I'll improv. Like, yeah, I'm just gonna jam and so hold my beer. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and so, and and there there is definitely a riff and, and a divide between classical musicians and electronic artists, and, oh, and I see sure. that. But see, in this argument, almost sounds like the you know you're only a real DJ if you mm. spin vinyl and things like that. Yes. So it's interesting to hear that throughout the music culture that there's still some of that pinky up mentality. Oh, 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 there mentality. oh yeah. that, well, that's at Huge. every level too. Yeah. If you Huge. go to any guitar like forum or, or, or wherever, like we are all button pushers mm-hmm. and oh, techno music is so simple to yeah. make and like yeah. all of that kind of stuff. Um, it's, well, but just on a side note, even in the barbecue world, cause you know, I'm in, I'm oh, in that yeah. world. Yeah, there's people that well, dog because me. because you use pellets. Because I use pellets, people dog me, I'm, and they start trying to light me up, and I'm uh, like, yeah. Oh, is this a Hank Hill opportunity? Exactly. So propane, propane and propane accessories. accessories. Yeah. So, like, people start trying to hound me, I'll just be, and I just respond, okay. And I just leave it, you know. Yeah. I don't feed the troll. Well, and that's so, where, you know. and, and... That's I, right, you feed your neighbors. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, and to us, music is music, no matter how you create yeah. it. You know, the the first caveman that was sitting in his cave and figured out how to hum. Yeah. You know, that was music. It, it, um, I believe the beat came first. <laughs> banging, banging sticks on rocks. Oh, yeah. Clubs. Uh-oh, oh, you okay. got it. Now, now we're going to get to this per, club this life. This rhythm versus melody yeah. now. <laughs> all right. All right. Which one came first? <laughs> rhythm or melody? Um, but, but, I mean, mu- music is music no matter how you create it. Um, we've joked about playing the kazoo. You know, right. if, if you're creating harmonic tonal qualities with mm-hmm. any type of sound, that's music. Right. And and so for people to 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 dog on this genre, this genre, this subgenre, this instrument, um, to me it's unless it's happy hardcore. Yeah, we don't tolerate happy hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but if you're making music that that somebody enjoys, if you even enjoy it, like. Go for it. That's that's your music. That's you. Absolutely. Now I want to make sure that we don't skip over fest. We keep we keep mentioning it, but I want to kind of talk about the story a little bit. Tony, can you maybe describe uh, the kind of lineups and the the type of crowd and that sort of thing? Just kind of just it's your it's a festival, so you know. But what size and scale and what's your level of involvement with that? And then we'll kind of talk about how that leads into Crystal Grid playing there. Um, so my level of involvement is I'm the backline 
tech stage manager for the main stage of the festival. Um, I've been doing that with PSG since before we even got involved with Fest. Um, and that kind of became my role, you know, for the festival. Um, but I also, I mean, I do a lot more for, for PSG than just that, you know. Um, but what Fest is, it started off as just a party in the field in Athens. The guy that owns it, Dom, he, um, he did it one year and more people showed up than he even expected, you know, and then the next year people were like, oh, you're going to do it again. So what became, it was one fest, and then the next year was two fest, and then three fest. And um, we came on, we being Prime Social Group, um, came on at Nine Fest. Um, and it was still at that time, it was called Nine Fest. And then I believe on the 10th one is when they coined, you know, Number Fest which was hashtag fest instead of the word number. Um, but it became, a, when we came on board, it became a really big production. At the time, before we came on, it was like, <clears throat> uh, at the time, Machine Gun Kelly, Mike Posner, those guys were upcoming artists at the time. They weren't very big outside of the region. Um, and that's the, uh, the, the level of acts that they were booking. Then we came in and it was like, uh, Steve Aoki and Kendrick Lamar and Fetty Wap and the Chainsmokers and you know we added the national acts and the production <clears throat> um, and it you know it it started the numbers starting increasing and we got to um, you know closer to anywhere between eleven and twenty thousand depending on the year um, and that's the lineup is what PSG has done is pretty much started the whole half hip-hop, I'm sorry, half rap, half EDM. And, and when I say rap or hip-hop, I don't, it's not old school, it's the current stuff, your, your little Yachties and your trippy reds and your, you know, the newer generation style of rap. Um, we have uh, a headliner for each genre, and then we have um, mid-tier acts, regional acts, and local acts and we started a second stage a couple years ago um and yeah that's kind of cool so the uh the idea of crystal grid playing at 18 fest or is it do they even 16 16 fest i mean um did that who brought that up first of all, like whose idea was that and how did that actually come into fruition because you don't normally do booking for the show correct correct um so over the end of the summer last year i was doing those shows with um prime social group that pepsi had sponsored you know that i i talked about on the show before and that was that and charlotte the breakaway Charlotte in between that whole time when we were talking and they actually got me their track after it was mastered <clears throat> I was listening to it and I was just I was blown away from the track you know just like it, it I mean I'm very big on my brand as well you know and I it, it takes a lot for me to say something that is is good you know I'm very picky on things and I heard it and I was just pff, holy shit you know so when we were when we were doing those Pepsi shows, you know, I had told PSG about them, but at that time it was still kind of at its very infancy stage where they hadn't even played a show for us yet, you know. But I, I had faith in them where it was going, and PSG knew what was going on. But when I got the track, 
we were at Pepsi show, right? Cheat codes, carnage. Cheat codes and carnage. Yeah, in Columbus, and I had their song on a thumb drive, and I was doing sound check, and I I told Dom, I said, Dom, come up here and listen to this, please. He comes up, and I hit play, and we're just using the monitors in the booth, and the monitors in the booth are still, you know, double eighteen cabinets on each side. They're massive, you know. Is this on fire? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. And I played it for Noah Roush. Yep. And I, I played it for Dom, and Dom's like, dude, this is fire. You know, this is good. Like, I was like, well, let's get him on fest. Can we get him on fest? He said, I got you. And that was like, that was it. There was no contract. There was nothing spoken of it. Just, you know, a little bit of talk here and there, here and there. And, you know, then I kind of approached him with it and told him that it was, you know, going to be a possibility. It was going to happen. And, you know, that's how fest kind of came about. So how did you guys prepare for that? I mean, you could, because you guys have a, a, a somewhat predetermined set, is this a set that you prepared for the show, or is this elements that you've taken from other shows that you've done? Um, and then if you could also kind of describe like what was different, other than the location, what was different about playing a festival gig? And just describe your general experience with it. Sure. Well, we uh, we first we shit down our leg. Um, <laughs> step one. That was that was step one. That was that was the yeah. Get that out of the way. Um, and then we we kind of thought about the demographic, like who's who's coming to, to uh, Numbers Fest, and and what what should we play? What are the headliners? What are the other acts? What are they going to be playing? Um, and we we had already had our set put together because we had just played. Um, snowed in at the mm. mask. Okay, so we we had a, a full sixty minute set that we could play with, and and we took that. We took our favorite elements. Um, and we added in. We've we've since released a new song that we that we added in. Um, we we added. We took out some of the like the the lower tempo kind of vibey tracks and put okay. in heavier yeah. like trap. Um, basically like banger songs yeah um to kind of tailor towards that demographic and then we rehearsed our asses off for three months that makes a lot of sense yeah yeah from and we we saw this show as an opportunity or a test so to speak um and we we went into it with the mindset if there's one person in the crowd if there's 500 people in the crowd we're playing for 10,000 Mm-hmm. And and that's and, exactly what you guys did. Hey, and we we yeah. appreciate that, Mo. And even even when we practice, um, we uh, we practice like there's a thousand people. We practice dancing. We we practice the the choreography, the the crowd engagement. Um, specifically for me, I I have to practice uh, essentially cardiovascular exercise while playing the saxophone because if I don't, right, if I Black if out. I if yeah. I practice sitting down and then I go on a stage jumping around trying to play the saxophone, you get winded that's a, pretty quick. Uh, I never even thought about that. Yeah, winded, get it. And, <laughs> and so even even when we wouldn't practice together, um, Jared recorded the set so I could practice at home. And even at home, I'd be in my studio or in the living room. I I'd play the sax where I play it. Hit some jumping jacks and some mm-hmm. burpees in between, and then jump back on oh, the sax. Oh God! <laughs> no, yeah. no, yeah. nobody, nobody. Trip has an aversion to burpees. <laughs> nobody should ever. He just doesn't do know what's coming. Ever. Yeah. Oh, well, God. when we when we practice uh, together, we use visualization. So we'll okay. we'll like take a couple minutes before we start and 
and just think that there are thousands of people in front of us. I was just getting ready to say, as he was talking, David's talked about like the the uh, visualization yeah. of of you know putting yourself in that situation where you're, yeah. you're virtually in your mind playing for you know whatever crowd. Yeah, exactly. That you're and trying to and you you jump head. around and you perform like you're performing for those people. Right. Um, and, and we purposely add mistakes so that way we can like figure those out in the moment. Um, that's great. Like I've, I've had right. Cody come up and like slap a jog wheel before. Yep. Um, and I have to try to fix that like during, during a mix. Um, so we, we account for like the unforeseen, um, Don't and it, and it ever, ever stopped discount yeah. how valuable that is. Uh, yeah, that's a that's an amazing idea. I love there, that. It, well, there's been DJ crews that I've been a part of, and that uh, I've, I've I've spoken about this on the show before, where that's pretty much what we did. We used to set each other up for failure. You know, yeah. everybody just sets out everybody's crates of records, and you can play any record you want except for yours. You know, mm-hmm. and then yeah. other mm-hmm. people would come up and yeah, like just take the the pitch fader, push it up when you're not looking. Yeah, all all that stuff. Like, yeah, intentionally trying to push each other so that it's not a it's not a thing to you know make you fail. It's Mm -hmm. a to make you better. Totally. Yeah, David has talked about this practice before. I don't remember which episode, but you said throwing yourself under the bus, Mm -hmm. where you uh, create challenges for yourself while you're practicing, so that way when these things do occur in real real life, right. you're already prepared for them. Yeah. So, and that and that's exactly what we're prepping for. And, and Tony sat in on quite a few of our practices. Um, even with just us three in the studio, he saw us doing our d- doing our crowd engagement, jumping around, playing. And um, I I mean it 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 looks ridiculous to somebody from the outside. You know, somebody Somebody that doesn't understand what we're practicing, they would look at us and be like, "What are what are these people doing up up in the studio?" Um, and, and it's practicing that. So, and I and I like to use a quote, and um, I didn't come up with it. It was um, a quote from a Navy SEAL. I, I can't remember the exact name, but you don't you don't rise to the occasion, but you sink to the level of your training. Mm. And we believe in that wholeheartedly. And wow. so we we practice and practice and practice until our our show we. Everything is muscle memory. So if there's a point on stage or during the set where there's a freak out moment or if there's anything, we just do exactly what Which we practice. Which always right. happens. Right. Every show, yep. there's some kind of bullshit that yep. happens. Like, and, and we just have to account for that. And instead of freaking out yep. and letting it get in our heads, we've, we've already done it. Once, just say, well, it once a- you step on a stage, your last name is Murphy. Yeah. 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 I was just going to ask is it a pa- panic mode every time that that happens or because it so consistently happens is it just normal to you? Well, and I I think in the moment it just it especially so so especially at fest it's just fun. And and so when we're having fun and something like that happens, we've already practiced what we need to do. We just mm-hmm. do it. And so we can just smile at each other. Hmm. You know, and and at Fest, I don't recall anything like that. Happening. I have a laundry list. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I was well, just emotional, analytical. Well, Jerry, if you if you have a laundry list, it was not evident in yeah. your performance. 
Because well, I didn't see anything. So can, can I ask real quick? Yeah. Do you feel like you nailed it, and do you not feel like you nailed it? Is that? Oh, we definitely fucking nailed it. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like that. Yeah. That felt so good being on that stage for Great. sure. Awesome. Um, nailed it. And it it. it really is like. It, it comes down to muscle memory and and just knowing what you have to do, and then everything else is just it's it's nothing. So, for example, um, we had Bobby hit play for us on our on our first track, and while that track is starting to play uh, and build up, we walk out on stage, um, and I've got maybe 15 seconds before I have to pick up my sticks and start playing the drums. So I get behind there and I have an in-ear monitor that I have to plug in to my, to my board. Uh, so I plug that in, I turn over, I grab my sticks and I look at my drum set and, and the artist before me had moved my shit. Oh, no. oh So no. my snare drum was halfway underneath my, my drum pad and I didn't have any time to pull that snare drum out. So I, I played the entire intro of our set with like this fucked up drum set um, with stuff out of place. Wow. And, uh, I just had to deal with it. Like I was, right. I was a little off, like maybe someone might've been able to tell, I don't, maybe if they've heard our set before, um, I, I did miss some things, but I just worked through it. And then I waited until I had a moment and I just readjusted everything and put it where it needed to be. Yeah. I saw you readjust the drum, but I wasn't sure what happened. Yeah. So there you go. There's a story. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but still there was nothing in the performance from a fan that was detected as an error. Yeah. Yeah. We just can't freak out. Yeah. Nothing, and nothing good ever comes from a freak out. Yeah. Which I have done before. <laughs> so, don't get me wrong. I've definitely freaked out. That's, that's just a typical lesson learned for a tour manager, you know, to go out there and make sure everything is in place before your artist gets up and goes, you know. Hey, shout out Bobby. He, he hooked it. Oh, up he definitely took FS. care of us. Yeah. 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 Shout out Bobby for, for taking care of us. And, um, ensuring that that most everything was accurate aside aside from from the drums which he he had in place before that set but the artist had moved it without him yeah knowing. yeah i think um, it just wasn't known so yeah yeah no shout out bobby for for taking care of us over at the prime stage i admire your bravery and what i mean by that is your like your willingness to throw yourself under the bus like that so many people recoil in the face of some intimidating situation like stage problems mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, well, well there's no there's no growth um if you're not if, if you're comfortable you're not growing truth you you truth. have to constantly put yourself in a state of of being uncomfortable and then you know that you're making progress well, maybe drop our comfort zone in the show notes comfort zone episode yeah, and all, i don't yeah. remember which one it is well, because people are so risk averse, you know, that like, but every, like everybody wants all the reward, but mm -hmm. nobody wants to right. take any of the risk. And, you know, so to, to find other people who are willing to take that risk and to put themselves out there and be willing to fail, or at least be willing to throw yourselves under the bus or, uh, you know, when, when, when people find that within each other, like it's so rare that it's just refreshing when you find other people that are like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think that that comes comes down to having a growth mindset, and with a growth mindset, 
you're never going to be perfect. Right. You can always learn and you're always going to fail. Absolutely. No matter, no matter where your standard gets to, because it's going to continuously rise. Failure is the only way that you're going to, you're going to learn. Right. Your willingness to fail is your edge. But besides the talent, that's the other, I think that's the other piece of it is that that's such an important trait that is rare yeah yeah and i mean it's it's something that i struggle with for sure there there are certain things even with this show like as a perfectionist that Mm -hmm. there there are certain things that i demand of myself and Mm -hmm. demand of this brand and all that kind of stuff and sometimes it takes that you know I'm, i'm sure to the to the frustration of my team sometimes you know like Hey, get out there, yeah, make yeah. some moves. You know, Tony gets on me all the time for that too. It's that that business mentality, but also that 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 risk aversion just mm-hmm. can't it can't mm-hmm. keep you from you know, you're, you're not going to have a hundred percent record all the time. Yeah. You know well, what I mean? Which is understandable. <laughs> Failing sucks. Yeah. Failing sucks. Yeah. From a from a biological evolutionary standpoint, we're as humans designed to try not to fail. That's how we survived. You know, that that's how, I mean, we survived as a species is don't get eaten. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, right. and, and, and that, yeah. that, and so in regards to, to people feeling fear, that's what that comes from. That's why most people will take that and recoil into their safe place. Yeah. And yeah. in my life as a coach for, for, for fitness, you know, one of the things we preach is that the, you know, the most growth occurs on the margins of your success, mm-hmm. but even with uh, us preaching that there's still a lot of my athletes that are just like, oh well, I don't want to put that extra five pounds on, or, or mm-hmm. I don't want to do this extra work because I don't want to do the burpees. <laughs> 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 but even with that, even though those people uh, within that particular fitness culture that participate with me are still um, pushing themselves far above and beyond other means of fitness, even within that, there's still that risk aversion because yeah. people don't want to fail. Totally, because well, someone might see them. Exactly, you know? and, and we're and it's not like we're going on stage, hitting hands right before like let's go fail. <laughs> right, um, right, right, but, right, right. But um, at least from a personal standpoint, I go up there and I miss a note. I keep going, yep. you know, like all right, you missed a note. Keep jamming, and and I I think just getting to that point of if it happens, it happened, mm-hmm. and how are you going to recover, and how are you going to move on, and then how are you going to learn from it the next time that you go out on stage and, and going back to talking about executing that growth mindset, you can't look at it as wins and losses. It's wins and learns. Totally. You know? Totally. Yeah. Right. We've learned something new every single show, every single show. I mean, every single yeah. practice, every, every time we meet together. I mean, a good example is, uh, how long did we pr- rehearse our set? Three months, maybe. Um, and I learned something about DJing, literally the very last practice that we had before we played our set. Nice. Yeah. And it's, uh, if you, if you're curious, it's that when you, when you pitch a song, it increases the gain. And I, that was something that I, I was trying to figure out, like it, it was mm. stumping me and I even emailed you trip and right, was like, right. I have no idea what the hell is going on. And, um, I was, I was just messing around before Cody came over one day and, or on, on our last practice day. And I, I stumbled upon it on accident because it, I did it again. And then I, I noticed I was like watching the, the view meter and I was just like, Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Rosetta stone moment. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was, it was was nuts. 
Well, you guys are awesome. You you guys have all the right attitudes. Um, that's that's why you guys are here. It's, this is why we wanted to share you with our audience. Um, yeah, I really yeah, like I your guys' uh, vibe and your positive attitude and your energy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. appreciate that. Thank Thank you. You. On the stage and off the stage as well. Yeah. Um, is there anything else that you guys would like to cover or plug before we wrap up? You just released a new single recently. We did. Yeah. We did. Um, so just released a track a couple days ago on April 24th. Yep. April 24th, um, Crystal Clear featuring Gem City Chill. Gem City Chill is a hip-hop artist based out of Dayton, Ohio. Super chill dude. Um, he's Hence a, the name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's pun, pretty chill. Pun intended. Pun intended. He's, he's chill. He, uh, no, he's, he's really chill. His ability to infuse so messages surrounding social justice and positivity and self-reflection and, and personal betterment is... It's truly astonishing, and you can you can feel the essence of that in Crystal Clear. Um, it was a fantastic opportunity to be able to link up with him and, and infuse Jared and I's artistic vision with with his creative and artistic vision and, and create something together. Um, As so, your mix engineer on that, I have to I have to say like his his lyrics and and like you said the infusion with your artistic uh, vision for that track. It really was. It was amazing. I I I couldn't listen to it enough. Like I I was finding myself just putting it on loop and then coming back and telling myself I'm I'm looking for like single or half dBs of adjustments. But really, I just I dug the track. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, and trip, and we we appreciate that. Um, and it, I, I think it is a, it, it truly is a, a special track that, that people can connect to and people can vibe to. And, um, and, and Jerry and I discuss this frequently. Uh, the, the beautiful thing about music is the perception or, or the feeling that somebody can get from a track is 100% unique to, to them as an individual. Uh, and, and so we, we hope that whatever this track means to you, that it's, that is positive, that's, it's enjoyable self-reflective um whatever it means to you we hope we hope that you enjoy it thank you guys so much for being here tony thank you for making this connection just as you do no doubt Appreciate no it. doubt you, um, you guys want to plug your socials yeah how can people connect with you guys online man at crystal grid everywhere that's uh perfect yeah yeah crystal um, can you spell crystal yeah grid can, yeah c-r-y-z T A L. Put the rest of it, Jared. G R I D. Just at Crystal Grid. You can find us everywhere. Crystalgrid.com. Awesome. Guys, thank you so much for being here. This has been a lot of fun, and we would love to have you on the show again anytime you like. Take hey, care. Hey, and we're, we're more than down. We're just yeah. right down the road. Thanks, awesome. guys. Thank you. Take care, and this has been the Passionate DJ Podcast. Later. Peace. Easy. Not afraid to die
Not afraid to live, not afraid to open up and give. I'm not afraid of the future. Go and bring it on, darling. We will ride into that dawn. So fire away, bring me down. If I die, it'll be on my own ground. Fire away, take me out. If I die, it'll be on my own ground. Have an Elisa sample pad sample pad pro, which is a eight Say pad. Three more times. <laughs> an Elisa sample pad pro. There it is. <laughs> I also work at Best Buy. <laughs> um, so it, it has eight pads. Um, so I have like my toms. I have